Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with vanilla-flavored Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I try to do that as vanilla yeah? as I could. And strawberry Melissa Kavanaugh. I can't follow that. Hey! And I feel like I should sound like strawberry shortcake, but I don't know what that voice sounds like. And the chocolatey me. Yes, prepared. I get the best flavor! I almost said banana flavored, but I didn't want no, to No, I would have stabbed you with a pen. Okay. So you guys, what is that called when it's chocolate and vanilla and strawberries? Neapol- Neapolitan. Neapolitan. Yeah, see, it's my Neapolitan crew of Fuelgans here today. Wait, what flavor are you? I'm the box that holds it all together. The cotton, if you will. I have a comment, and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> good. <laughs> Probably not family friendly. Yeah. It's not. Okay, good. So we are going to be talking today about, I just got back from high tech in Toronto. I've got some more stories and, <laughs> um, and some uh, stuff to talk about innovation that I saw there and some of the vendors that were doing some, doing some good things and then the show overall. So that's what the topic's going to be about today. But before we get into that, let's jump into what's going on in the news, Peter. All right. Well, the first news item we have is from Ad Age and it's online travel agencies go on a summer spending spree and Basically, what they're doing is going over the, the fact that really all the OTAs have significantly increased their advertising budgets over the past several months. And just to kind of put that into perspective, Expedia has increased their over, overall ad budget by 17%, and they're now the 25th largest advertiser in the U.S., period. Wow. they wow. outspending people like PepsiCo mcdonald's unilever and a lot of the big names that you think come out with you know massive ad campaigns they're just a bit above that uh priceline their group has also increased spending by about 10 percent, and they're now the 96th largest advertiser in the u.s it's just you know amazing when you think about it from a, a hotel's perspective when you're an independent hotel and you have to compete against you know, a behemoth like that, it can be a pretty daunting process. And, you know, I thought that was a kind of an amazing article that they're really ramping up their spending. And it does show that, you know, as independent hoteliers, we really need to make sure that we're, you know, covering our bases and, you know, also showing up there in the search results and wherever else we can. Here's the thing. They're not spending their own money. They're spending the hotel's money yeah. to yeah. advertise themselves. Yeah. You know, it, that's what makes me mad about the whole thing. It's a, it's, it's a big shell game. And I, I would love to see a world where all the hotels came together and created basically a big co-op buy, you know, created their own site that basically performed like an OTA, but wasn't charging commission. And they both, they all basically paid, you know, a flat rate to be a member. And then he pulled that money to advertise it. Something like that could really shake up the industry mm-hmm. if the hotels came together. Because it's, Expedia doesn't have this monopoly on the amount of bookings they can generate because of the brand anymore that's just not the way the world works anymore it's because they're spending so much money mm-hmm. on advertising right so if you take away their revenue stream i.e the inventory is not on there then they don't spend the money it, right now it's a self-fulfilling prophecy we're giving them money to use to spend to take away more of our direct business mm-hmm. which is backwards yeah so, i feel like this is something we've seen even with um clients and prospects who have come to us and said, oh, we don't need to do PPC. Nobody's bidding on our brand. And then we literally go do a search for them. And we're like, hmm, you sure about that? 
you know, I feel like they have definitely ramped up and they're paying more attention to some of the smaller, um, you know, more independent boutique properties that they used to not dedicate a ton of time and energy to. And now, I mean, they're really expanding their net with what they are bidding on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a behemoth to compete against, but the good thing is, is that's their overall budget. That includes TV, that includes print, that includes obviously the, the search marketing as well. But if you really focus on your brand, you can beat them at that game because you're not having to compete on a national basis. Mm-hmm. You're competing for your hotel property in your destination. Yeah. But it's tough, right? Cause they're, they're, TV advertising, I would I would argue, and I don't have data. This is just anecdotal. I don't feel like you see as many Expedia TV ads today as you did five years ago, right? I may be completely wrong mm. there, but no, I've, off the top of my head, I remember. I know TripAdvisor's ramped up, and I feel like yeah. I see a lot of Booking.com, mm-hmm. but I can't Maybe. say I've seen anything I Expedia. Seen a lot. You see a lot more of the Travagos and the subsidiaries yeah. Yeah. of you know these. The you know, big ones. Well, did the article break down where the investment is is going, where the increase is? They didn't dive that far into it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see that, especially to see if they go in more into display or, mm-hmm. you know, if they are more on search. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- this is really on ad age, so they're looking at it from a broad perspective. But those would be some interesting numbers to find out. Yeah, but you know, it's it's mm-hmm. tough. Expedia is an, a necessary evil. You know, Expedia Group, Priceline Group, both really two sides of the same coin, but you have to put yourself first. If you're a hotel, especially if you're an independent hotel and you don't have the benefit of the brand's site, which has the branding and are spending money on TV and getting awareness. If you're an independent hotel, you have to make sure that your book direct strategy is right. And the first thing you have to do is rate parity. You have to give the same rate to every single distribution channel. And I don't even think you should be doing a lower rate on your own website. I just don't. I think it should be the same. Take take the rate out of the equation. Give the same rate to every single distribution channel. And then focus on the value. Focus on what you can offer that gives more value to the stay, a better experience to the guest if they book direct. So once you've done those two pieces, which some hotels have got that figured out, what most hotels haven't figured out and don't do a good job of is you've got to communicate it to the guest. How many hotel websites do you go to and it doesn't even mention the benefits of booking direct? You know, it's, you've got to have that front and center. When someone lands on your site, they've got to understand because they know they have a choice. We've done studies that prove they, they look for the same property on multiple sites. Why not tell them that they need to, they can stop doing that. Reassure them that you've got everything covered. They're not going to find a better rate. And if they book right now, there's value to that. I think from a communication perspective, though, where a lot of properties and even the big brands where they get caught up is with this whole book direct movement. I don't think the average person knows what it means to book direct. So I think you have to be really yeah, careful with your communication, yeah. right? Like having a section on your website that says, why book direct? People don't know what that but means. But they understand best rate guarantee. Yeah. They or like why book with us. Less. Yeah, book with us, I think is better yeah. verbiage mm-hmm. for sure. Or book now, don't, don't look anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like... If you look at, and I always come back to um, booking.com, they do a phenomenal job of their conversion in terms of putting forward pressure through the conversion funnel. They, they reassure, they answer every question that you might have. They, they give you every reason to book and no reason to not book at that time that you're on your site. There's no reason that every hotel site shouldn't do the same thing. So, it you know, we, we've kind of created this monster ourselves with the OTAs. I think it's... Uh, you know, 
we're ripe for disruption and and I think we're going to see some of that happening but we're not helping ourselves as hoteliers you know if we're not thinking that this is a problem if we're not trying to take on the challenge of generating more awareness of why it's beneficial for a guest to book with me directly spend a little more money in in giving back value if you're going to give 20 30 percent to an ota why not take five ten percent of what your revenue is on booking on direct bookings and reinvest that back into adding value you know that that's and we're going to talk about that the the best in show or the most innovator of show at high tech was someone that's doing exactly that and we'll talk about them in a little bit that my ladies and gentlemen is what's called a tease Ooh. So stick around. Is that foreshadowing? It is foreshadowing. Ooh. That sounds more ominous, though. <laughs> Tease is more like exciting and, you know, I don't know. Anyway, derailed. <laughs> Carry on as you were. What's the next article? So I have a rather entertaining article. It's not so much educational, but I found it interesting. So it is from the drum.com. And the title is Kayak Enables Emoji Search for Select Destinations. So this being a silly millennial, I clicked on it because I thought it was interesting. So um, the tech company is focusing on making the mobile booking experience better, the mobile search experience better, being that emojis are so prevalent um, and perhaps they're targeting a specific market like myself that uses emojis a lot, they have created this emoji search function. It's only rolled out to specific destinations so far. Um, and there's a screenshot in the article you can see, it says to see what it's like to search by destinations um, on kayak, try our first 10 and it has little emojis. So New York has the little um, Statue of Liberty, Tokyo, Japan has like a sushi emoji. There's a big list on here. There is also a link if you're bored whenever you're listening to this. You can click on it and it'll take you to a landing page where you can vote for your favorite. So it'll show you pictures of an emoji and you can select what destination you think fits it the best. Including the last one, there's the poop emoji and you can vote for which one you think <laughs> fits that one the best. So I thought that was fun and interesting. Will this take off? I kind of doubt it, but I think it'll at least generate some buzz for them. I think they're getting some attention for this and I also think it will drive people to their website they're going to use the tool because they're going to be curious well, what is this what is this what is this you know so i think it's kind of buzzy just something different and i think it's great that they're at least trying something new whether or not it'll be successful they're trying things and i think we're all advocates of throwing stuff out there just to see what works generate new ideas do some fun stuff so good for kayak on that i certainly would like to see which city gets the poop emoji for sure and not go there. <laughs> Paris, it's Paris, hands down. Well, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm biased. But hmm. yeah, sorry if anyone. You from should Paris go. You should go podcast, vote but... for it then, if you feel so strongly about it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna spend the remaining time on the podcast voting because <laughs> this is pretty fun. I love Chicago O'Hare's emoji. That's the coolest one. It's a little rabbit. O'Hare. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, I see what they did there. So it's not a rabbit. It's a hare. They're That's true. Species. It is a hare. Right. I was surprised because apparently the vote on the voting page. Boston is ahead for baseball and they're losing for football. I feel like that might uh, rub Ooh. some Pats fans the wrong way. All right, let's, let's call this what it is. This is a complete <laughs> publicity stunt, right? There's no utility to this whatsoever. There, there's no way in any sort of future that people are going to be searching this way. No, but, but look, people, it's working. We're yeah, talking for about right it. now, we're talking about right. it. We're driving, they're driving right. traffic to the website. 100%. We're exploring destinations. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying it's not yeah. a good idea in terms of generating 
or, or replacing the way that we search oh, for properties, right? Oh, absolutely, for sure. All this is is a, a genius marketing stunt from the guys at Kayak. That's, yeah. that's exactly mm-hmm. what yeah. it is. And it, it's working phenomenally. If they, you know, if they'd waited a little bit, they could have tied this in with the Emoji movie. I don't know when that's coming out, but I think it's pretty soon. Wait, that's a thing? Yeah, there's mm-hmm. an Emoji movie, movie coming I out. I shouldn't be surprised. And, um, you know, they could have got even more legs for it. Mm-hmm. I, this is a gimmick, but it's it's a really, really They have good a little gimmick. Machu Picchu head for Easter Island. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like the sushi's a little racial stereotypey, but, you know, th- there's other things Tokyo can be... You know, the others are like landmarks and stuff. And then it's like, you know, but what's what's uh, London? Is it Big Ben or St. Stephen's Day? Uh, I, it's, I don't think it was on the list. It was on the voting list. These are the ones they've actually rolled out. Toronto is a maple leaf. Yeah. Mm. Or, yeah, Toronto. Um, Los Angeles is the little movie clipper. I'm doing a hand motion, so right. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, Dublin is a three-leaf clover. So it makes sense. Oh, yeah. wait, what is Oh. Amsterdam is the little red, red alarm. Light. Yeah, it's a red light. <laughs> it's a red light. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Questionable. That's funny. It could have been like yeah. a pot leaf or something. Yeah, I was like, I like, is that what I think it is? Yeah. So I mean, this take, take this. Understand this is a tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek sure. campaign from kayak, and it's going to get them a tremendous amount of word of mouth and a tremendous amount of inbound links as a marketer i can appreciate creative and unique marketing ideas i guarantee this idea came out of a a brainstorm for link bait you know that's probably where this came from Mm -hmm. within kayak so well it's great are we we gonna be searching for hotels through emojis probably Mm. not probably not because you know what we're gonna be doing i want to so i want to search like thumb down emoji and see what we got yeah is model beach on the list might have voted that one for the poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope you not did. cool. No, I did There's not. There's nothing wrong with dirty I did Myrtle. not. I'm just I went facetious. Oh. Yeah. See, we're going to lose yeah. the yeah. potential Unless you're from we, Detroit. We just lost all our yeah. Parisians and our Detroitians. Yeah. I don't know what you're called if you're from Detroit. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really mean it about Paris. It's not really poopy. But that... Someone's going to get their feelings hurt, right? But if, if you're at the destination that ends up with a poop emoji, I think you could you need to roll with it. Right? Oh, yeah. You need to embrace and have fun with, with whatever you can from that. But it, it's a neat little fun story. But no, we're not going to start searching for hotels with poop emojis. Well, yeah, and we're My also not going to start no. optimizing search campaigns for emojis. Yeah. <laughs> emojis are so cool, right? Because they, they've really infiltrated our lives. And, and it really really is a very effective way of communicating you know especially in shorthand on text you can communicate emotions complex emotions very simply and and complex thoughts in one or two pictures and um i I love that and it really has become something that when anyone uses it for something outside of the norm it gets a little bit of buzz when uh deadpool came out the movie they did a really cool campaign with emojis that got a lot of buzz so I think uh, when the World Cup was on, there was a lot of stuff they were doing with international flags and things like that. So Star Wars even had their own um, that they announced during a celebration a couple of years ago when Force Awakens was coming out. So I, th- I have the Dunkin' Donuts emoji keyboard Ex- on my phone. Exactly. Yes. So so I think it's a cool marketing little shtick you can have if it's done right. All right. See, as much as I enjoy emojis, because I do enjoy my emojis, I enjoy animated GIFs more. So next idea, kayak, you can give me some money for this idea, but you should have a GIF search for destinations. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think you could get the same kind of buzz 
with animated GIFs. Although I would probably argue that, well, maybe. I think emojis are a little more utilized well, national, like in every demographic than, than animated GIFs. Like, I think you have to be a little uh, internet nerdy to oh, use memes, you know, and, yeah. and animated GIFs. But I think everyone, grandmothers alike, use smiley emojis, yeah. you know. All right, what's next? I have an article from travelweekly.co.uk, and you can definitely tell that this is a UK article because it uses the word holiday instead of vacation. But it is fake travel firms duping Google into thinking they are genuine. And unfortunately, this seems to be a trend where bogus travel websites are, I'm assuming this is through PPC, are duping Google into thinking that they're actually real websites and basically scamming travelers into dumping money into companies that don't actually exist. And then people show up on their vacation only Mm. to find out they don't have a room booked. And that really is terrible. Yeah. And this actually, I mean, the timing is uncanny. So I got a phone call last Saturday from one of our clients and this exact thing happened where um, someone had gone on, created a, a site on Wix.com. You know, you can create a site in five minutes. They literally had copied and pasted text from the hotel's official website, so they really didn't have to do anything creative. Um, they stole a bunch of images, too. Like, they were actual yeah. property yeah, room photos. They and... copied some room descriptions, room photos, and, and Wix has a booking engine platform built in where you can process credit cards. So it was... To all intents and purposes, to any consumer that stumbled upon the site, it, it looked like a legitimate site. It wasn't branded as the, the site, but at the bottom it had the address, the name and the address of the site. And the problem was because they had copied and pasted content from the actual site and even the address itself, they linked back to the official site. So it added some legitimacy. So mm. these consumers that landed on this bogus site could click on a link that said the amenities at this hotel and it went to the official website but they had um five families show up on a sat on on that saturday it was the first they knew it five different families staying for their summer vacation that they probably spent thousands of dollars on and they show up at the hotel and said you don't have a reservation yeah this article saying that one guy was scammed out of 1200 pounds and then found out when he showed up that Mm -hmm. the person told him 15 families the day before alone had done the same thing so this is a common thing that's beginning and what made it interesting with our hotel client was this unreputable property had managed to get on tripadvisor they were on trip connect so that's what? how they got distribution, right? Because to be fair, to create a fake bogus site and then rank for the brand term is, I mean, that's going to take a little bit of effort, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you're not just going to rank overnight. So it's a, it's a long game, by which time you're probably going to get caught. But if you can find, run some PPC that works or you can get on TripAdvisor on, on some kind of paid performance basis, uh, that, wow. that, you know, that, that math can work. Yeah. So, so what our client did, and if this ever happens to you, um, you know, they contacted Wix uh, and said, this is a fake site and this is what's going on. They immediately shut it down and they contacted TripAdvisor and they immediately shut it down. But to start with, I mean, it took a little while with TripAdvisor. TripAdvisor to start with was was saying that the property was liable for the stays, which they're like, no way, you know, in no way are we. And, and the property ended up winning that argument. But I mean, this is not a new phenomena, but the problem is as sites like... Um, Wix and Weebly mm-hmm. and, and um, Squarespace mm-hmm. make it easier for people to deploy a website within five minutes. 
I don't see this thing going away. And that's why it's so important that you search for yourself online and see where you show up. And you, see who else shows up for you. Right. I mean, you might be surprised that, you know, an entity that's saying it's you is, you know, skimming off the top more or less. Yeah. And it's a challenge, especially if you're a condominiumized property, you have homeowners because you're going to see legitimate homeowner sites mm-hmm. that crop up where they're renting one or two units. So you got to kind of filter through some of that noise. But, you know, I, I think you got to be careful. You know, we, we had a long discussion with our client about how, how do you handle this? Like, do, do you shine a light on it in any way? Do you put any messaging on your site that this is not legitimate? Um, I mean, I think it's dangerous, you know, because you don't want to make the situa- a bad situation worse by drawing attention to it. One of the things we were looking at doing before Wix said they would shut it down was basically any any referring traffic that came to that site showing some kind of message or redirecting them somewhere else mm-hmm. to make it look illegitimate. But, I mean, I, I think this is a case of just like identity theft, if you haven't been compromised somehow from a security perspective yet it, it's there's a good chance it's going to happen at some point in the future and you've got to be prepared for when it does and not so was the do, was the domain that it was coming from from something dot wix or was it a unique it was domain a that unique they url yeah, yeah. It was, they yeah. registered a it was like URL. i don't want to say it was something generic yeah yeah um but it was you could tell how lazy they were though because i noticed i'm like i looked and saw i'm like there are links to our client's website from this website. Yeah, and I went and looked, they literally just copied and pasted the content. So there were internal links on our site that wow. were pointing back to our site. Cause you would click on, you know, amenities or whatever, and it would go back to the actual site. So they didn't even clean up the copy. It was co- just straight up copied and pasted. Yeah. Jeez. It, it, yeah. I mean, it, it's really scary, but, but you just don't overreact. If this does happen to you think, think through it logically, you can inform the, the, the police or the FBI, whoever has a fraudulent thing going on. But, but don't be afraid to reach out to whoever the provider is. Don't don't try to f- figure out who it is because you're probably going to run down a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah. You know, because people are going to use domains by proxy, stuff like that, when they register a URL. So you're not going to be able to tell really who it is. You can try calling the number on the website or emailing the address. But this is a criminal. This is a deliberate. This is someone that's in the fraud business. You know, you're not going to catch them out. And, and even if you did, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Right? Put that over to the authorities. Try to mitigate your risks. However so, you can. what did this property do with those guests that showed up in no reservation? I mean, they offered them alternatives, but it's not like they're going to give them a free stay. Yeah, you know, they can't, and especially this time of year, it's in a very busy resort destination with summer's peak time. They didn't have the units available, so it's not like they could. Um, they they maybe offered them a discounted rate for the inconvenience, but it. You know? Well, I think that's another argument, too, where we've been switching over in a lot of our, even especially for branded terms, but, you know, using phrases like official website. I mean, I guess arguably anybody could pop that up there, but having that in your ad copy and in your title tag so people know 100% this is the official site, mm-hmm. it leaves no questions to be asked. Yeah, and it increases, I mean, from ad testing, having official in there not only increases the click-through rate, but also increases the conversion rate, right? And it, it's this circles back to when we were talking earlier about, you know, book direct strategies, the verbiage you use in those ads can have a big impact, but then the website mm-hmm. itself, do a good job telling people, mm-hmm. book with us and here's the reason why, and don't book with anyone else, because it's gonna minimize that that risk. The, you know, the, the problem is these scammers, are all, they're always gonna be a step ahead and find a mm-hmm. way to scam. And a lot of times they're gonna play on people that, that have a tendency to 
not be to not scrutinize. So in this case, they were showing rates that were like 50% of the official rate. So oh for a gosh. lot of people that are looking at it, it's like it's a really attack, attractive proposition. I would never book that personally if because I'm a if skeptic, If it seems too right? good to be yeah. true, it probably it's is. Prob- so as a consumer, you, you've got to have some um, personal accountability, right? When something looks ridiculously good, you've got to have a little bit of skepticism there. But, you know, it, this is this is a tough one. But don't overreact. Don't, you know, don't put a big red blinking message on your homepage because all you're going to do is create more more distrust and more people are going to probably go stay somewhere else you know so try to stay out of it but deal with it behind closed doors i'd say yeah that, that's a really good article so let's talk about high tech guys how was it it was pretty good for the most part yeah what now, was the the mood of the the hotel industry the you know it it was interesting i, I think everyone is is skeptically optimistic you know, I think the same pain points we talk about on this show in general resonated throughout. You know, I think a big focus on the educational side was was security, cybersecurity, um, you know, identity protection, things like that. So there's a lot of talk about that and a lot of vendors in that space. You know, it's not a sexy, glowy kind of a topic, but it's it's really is a necessary one. So that, that was going on. I think there's still a lot of ill will towards, you know, the big two, Priceline Group and Expedia Group, and, and what they're going on, and then there was a lot of talk about the the Google EU ruling this past mm-hmm. week as well, you know, and the implication of that. So, um, but it was overall positive. I'd say this year the show, I would say the organizers. I mean, I'm going to go on record and say they made a few logistical mistakes in, in the scheduling. I think they. In previous years, they've run, uh, you know, things like ACSMAI's Rock. They've run um, some revenue management conversations, things like that, in conjunction with high tech. And I think they kind of reinforce each other. They claim there were record numbers of people attending this year, the events in general. Every vendor I talked to felt like it was light. The, the, hmm. the number of people walking down the aisles was light. And honestly, I would say... The final day yesterday, Thursday, was was a ghost town. And typically that is, uh, you know, that's what we consider more vendor day anyway. So there was a lot of that. But the number of hoteliers that were left on Thursday was was very, very slim. Then Now, we met with a few that were, I mean, great, great people to chat with. But the volume just wasn't there. So, so I, th- I think they need to look at the scheduling a little differently. So they're not taking core decision makers out of the trade show side um in in pushing them all into the conference side because the conference side certainly valuable certainly should be attended but i feel like there needs to be a little more of a balance but uh, i mean that's a long event though like don't they get there it's monday through thursday right i mean that's a yeah monday's not a ton going on there's a little Hmm. bit of stuff um i think most of the vendors don't really get there until um, they don't start the expo is really not until Tuesday, but uh, you know there's some educa- there's a keynote opening keynote and a, a pre party on the Monday, but for the most part people coming in Tuesdays and Wednesday. But I mean it was it was it was good for for us as fuel. I mean I felt like the quality of the folks we talked to was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the vendors I talked to, you know there was a mixed bag. I think the people that did good pregame benefited more, obviously and. Like fuel, we did a, a better pregame this year. We always pregame the party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but of the people, of the hoteliers who were there, what was their, I guess, attitude toward 2017 so far? I mean, are there, are there a lot of people out there hurting? I know mm-hmm. in, in our own destination, there's a lot of people pretty happy right now with yeah, performance. Yeah. There, I, I think there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's some governmental pressures on travel right mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. right? I think when you look at things like the travel ban, people people think about that in terms of the impact it has from a tr- tourism perspective like how many people are actually going to come you know it makes america look bad and in not only people from those destinations not going to travel but does it impact people from europe or wherever else australia from coming here because of the the negative implications right so i think there's that but the restrictions that the government's putting on is also economically and from a travel perspective is also putting a lot of pressure on the um, hiring process you know a a lot of hotels that i've talked to recently are really struggling to get you know low cost employees in key roles you know it's it's really tough we look at our own market like housekeeping and is, is really challenging to get enough housekeepers to maintain the quality of a product and so so i did i did hear that grumble a little bit but i think the forecast Overall, I didn't hear too many hoteliers claiming poverty. I think I think you know, people are traveling. I think people, you know, are, are willing to pay a decent ADR. ADRs on the increase, um, but hotels are still a little bit um, perturbed about how much they're having to rely on third parties mm-hmm. to generate some of the, some of the bookings. So, given the general attitude towards OTAs at the moment, I looked at the vendor list, but it was extensive. So, I mean, are they even yeah. present? Like, does Expedia yeah, yeah. show up to this thing? Yeah, all, all the major OTAs are there, huh. um, for sure. And uh, I would not want to have that job to be an Expedia rep. If at I was Expedia, uh-huh. I would just go and put a dunking booth in my booth. Yeah, almost take yeah, it and roll know, with yeah, it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess they don't see themselves <laughs> in, the, in the same way that the industry does. And and. I mean, I don't want to bash on the OTAs because I think that they're, they're a necessary part of the ecosystem. We just—it's the hotelier's fault, to be honest, about how how they're used. But no, that those are there. It's 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 weird, right? High tech is a technology show, so it's it's kind of a weird mix of vendor. So if you've never been to a high tech before, you know that, like I said, there's some conference stuff, education, which is pretty valuable. But I'd say, you know, I, revenue managers can really benefit from that. Um, Maybe the IT folks on this year because it was a big emphasis on security. Uh, hotel marketers probably not as much, right? This is more of a technology conference. So the vendors, I would say, you've got like in-room tech vendors. Uh, a lot of the big boys like Samsung, LG, uh, were there with their touchscreen TVs and you know in-room tech like that. Um, you've got things like. Uh, lock manufacturers stuff like that so hardware on properties is is part of it and i'll talk about a couple of those vendors in a second and then you've got the software companies that support the system so a lot of all the major pms's are there like every major pms has and those are probably some of the bigger booths of the pms companies and um so they're, they're there and then you have a lot of kind of supporting software kind of companies and startups as well around that but what's different this year than than i think in previous years is i usually go there and i I kind of determine that there's a theme like a lot of the vendors align in line behind you know some kind of overarching trend 
whether that, you know, a few years ago it would be mobile, something like that, right? That really wasn't the case this year. Hmm. And the other thing that surprised me this year is I don't feel like innovation was there. Like we, we hmm. talked, we did an episode on the podcast a little while ago where we talked about all the changes in technology we've seen over the last 20 years and how, you know, iPhone just turned 10. It's only 10 years old. It's crazy, right? Um, so technology is, is innovating faster than it ever has in the history of humanity. And, and yet I feel like 95% of the vendors I talked to this year, I could have had the exact same conversation with them last year. Like I don't feel like they've moved a lot in 12 months. Now, I say that with a, with a couple of caveats. There were people talking in broad strokes about things like AI in voice control, but no one had really um, innovated in that space or was doing anything creative in that space that was was notable, you know? So I, I think I, overall, although from a fuel perspective, it was a very successful show. Like a lot of good, good um, relationships were made. I'd say from a, a, a you know enthusiast of the hotel industry perspective, I, I was I left a little disappointed. So so that was it. And and I will say this: this is completely unrelated to all this this other stuff. So I need to put out an apology to some of the vendors that were there that we you know we had we had talked to and communicated with on Twitter, and I'd gone by and chatted with some folks on uh, the Tuesday of the show too, and I was supposed to be doing some live video on the Wednesday, but there was a little snafu. What was a snafu? Well, so um, as you do at high tech, you go to some of these after parties, right? Mm -hmm. And we well, we already established we pre-gamed this, so. Yeah, well, this was a post-game in, in sense that it was after the first day. So we went to, we were invited by our good friends at Stay In Touch to go to their, their after party, which was with um, Navis and um, Data Art, and there's a couple of other folks that put this um, really cool event on. It was, you know, in one of the old buildings in in downtown Toronto, and uh, so we were there. And I was looking for. We traveled with a couple of my Fuligan friends, Dave and, and Ben, and it was about time to go. And I was doing what I do. I was chatting to some folks and just sharing their insights on the industry. And they said it's time to go. And I was like, okay. And and now. Full disclosure, had alcohol alcohol been involved? Absolutely. But it wasn't like intoxicating levels of alcohol. So anyway, I turned around and, and David and Ben had left. And so I'm like, well, maybe they went outside. So I start walking down the stairs because we're on the second or third level. And I get out to the front. And it's one of these old buildings that has like brick steps that weren't quite even. And I see David and Ben were standing out there. So I'd been trying to call David. So I look at my phone to hang up because I don't need to call him anymore and completely whiffed the step. Like my <laughs> ankle rolled over and uh, like just I, in my mind, I did this perfect ninja roll and jump back up. <laughs> but, but the spectators around there would tell you that I fell down like a sack of spuds in, um, in a crumpled, messy heap. And uh, it was one of those moments where you're like, nope, this is not going to be good. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, needless to say, I spent the next, uh, best part of the next day trying to find medical attention and with ice on my foot so i didn't get to go around and do the the live interview so sorry to all those vendors i definitely want to make it up to you so if you ever want to be you know us talk about you on the podcast or you want to collaborate in some way or do webinars things like that um then we would love to work with you because everyone we spoke with they have great products and and 
you know, we'd love to work with them more. But having said that, there are a few that I really wanted to shine a light on today. Wait, but just to recap well. for anybody who didn't hear, oh, Stuart got plastered and then face planted on his first night at high tech. False. False. <laughs> Fake news. I, I, Wait a minute. You were I in Canada with three. free health care yeah. and you didn't even Wait. take advantage of it. No, it's not free for foreigners. <clears throat> doesn't work that way. But um, no, You I'd have had, an accent. You could have fit in. Uh-huh. Just say had, A. I had, Be really nice and say A. Man, such a stereotype. <laughs> I will tell you this. And I actually told some Canadians Hockey, this. Hockey, eh? right? and, and, and honestly, let's be fair. The French and the English are pretty much the same, right? Yeah, right? Mm. <laughs> All right. So I will say this categorically. And I'm going to offend everyone in this room and, and probably 90% of the people listening. But What else isn't new? <laughs> Canadians are so much nicer than Americans, man. They but are, that's the stereotype, though, but right? But, dude, what's wrong with that? That is a great stereotype. They are so nice. Like, everyone I interacted with there were, were so pleasant and welcoming and hospitable. Like, it, it, it was just great. So, from, from the people at the hotel to the every restaurant I went to, just everyone was super nice. So, hats off to Toronto. They definitely... Uh, Toronto is a great city. If you've never been there, I definitely would recommend it. It, it was very, um, very welcoming. They had some outdoor concerts going on while we were there. We stayed out near the harbor. Really you were good. like, oh, being surrounded by nice people. What is this like? I yeah. don't know. I work in the fuel office every day. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I moved from England like 17 years ago, and I haven't been surrounded by nice people since. <laughs> I, have to, I have to have my guards up all the time. Yeah, I'm sure your wife appreciates that comment. That's <laughs> probably so. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get this back on track and talk about some some of the vendors that um, I chatted with that just I, I felt like are doing a better job than others. And some of these are in some crowded categories, but I, I feel like they they stand out, or at least you know my limited exposure to them and their competition, they're the ones that that have stood out a little bit. So first is um, Trust You, which we we've worked with in the past. We've done a couple of webinars with these guys. We've got another one coming up at the end of July, uh, but. You know, they're, they're, they're much like a lot of other people in that online reputation space where they're um, creating tools that make it really easy for you to curate and organize any kind of sentiment and, and data that exists out there on the Internet about your property. But I think what makes them a little different is, one, their tools really help you um, make an impact on that. So, so the tools in terms of getting soliciting feedback from your guest are pretty pretty good so it's, it's worth checking out but then on top of that you know great okay so you're getting some good feedback but then how do you get, leverage that feedback to get more guests right uh so you know what they've partnered with google and kayak and skyscan and some others and they're pushing their trust scores for properties back out to the internet right so so it's not a closed loop like a lot of these online reputation vendors like they're actually Leveraging the data that you're managing in, in, and then pushing it back out so it gets more new business. So so trust you, I think, are probably the leaders in that space. They're doing a really good job. I will also chime in and say that they have really good content that they put out on their website, just educational stuff. I stumble upon their articles often, whether it's on hotelmarketing.com or just on Twitter. Um, and I share those a lot myself and on the Fuel page. So they do have a lot of good resources available. Yeah, and I think that's why one of the reasons they, they're taking off. You know, they're taking that that long game marketing approach, which, which I like to think Fuel's trying to do as well with things like this podcast, where they, they genuinely, you know, at the end of the day, we're a business, right? We, we want to make money. We want to have more clients. We want to make a profit, right? No, I mean, no one's going to hold that against us because that's the reality. But we're not going to... Um, 
get new business by just going around and telling everyone we're great, pay us money, right? That's not how it works, right? We've got to build trust. We've got to build relationships. We want to genuinely help people do but a better job. But for the record, you know, yeah. we're, we're great. So, 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 you know, we do the podcast because we genuinely want to help people, but we, we also know that we're building a reputation and, and our authority and in, in, in our relationships with other people that we maybe wouldn't have done before, right? It's certainly with a direct sales approach. So that's why you see us doing webinars with folks like Trust You, right? Because in Flip2 is another one, right? Because these guys, they get it. They get, they understand, you know, you know, that if we if we benefit the industry as a whole, that helps everyone. So so that that's why to me Trust You stands out in that crowd. And it's a crowded space. It's not like they're the only vendor doing this stuff, but you know, they claim that they have the largest database of of data anywhere. They're, mm. they're monitoring over 500,000 properties. And um, they, they just do a really good job on the marketing side and on the product side. And, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Trust You. So that was number one. Who's next? All right. So ne- next up is a little startup. They haven't been around that long called Angie. And Angie is basically a... a in-room assistant it's a touchscreen and voice activated assistant for hotel rooms similar to an echo or, or google home something like that the, the the activation command is hey angie right so i think this is this is a space that we've talked about a lot on the show in 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 how we feel like voice commands in the home are going to become ubiquitous within the next five years right and if if ergo if they're everyone expects it in their house, they're gonna want it in the hotel. Right? It's just like Wi-Fi was. It, it once we are used to it in our everyday lives, we're gonna need it when we go on vacation. So voice, not not a doubt in my mind, is gonna need to be in every hotel room at some point, except for the ones that stand on the principles of disconnecting and stuff like that. Right? But so so I think this is gonna be a competitive space, and there's a lot of people piloting this kind of technology and they're looking at these big guys right they're looking at the amazons and the the uh the apples out there that are doing this so angie's a little unique right because it's a little startup they don't have the consumer side of this and they're not in the house as well they're going after this hotel space and it's unique in that it has a it's con- touch controlled and voice controlled so you you have the choice as a consumer how you control the thermostat or if you order room service or whatever the functions they are but one of the things and i've said this on the prop on the show before one of the things they're willing to do or at least in our conversation with them they said is possible is customizing the activation command right and i think if i was a brand that would be critical to me Mm -hmm. like if i was a hilton or a marriott I would I would not want it to be Angie or Alexa or whoever. I would want it to be my own brand, probably Marriott, probably yeah. Hilton, right? So they said absolutely that's possible. You know, we get that question a lot. We haven't done it yet, but they said they've only been around a little while. They they're in in a few hotel rooms as a test, but all of the major chains have their R and D labs that have access to this product and are experimenting with it actively so i'm not saying this is this product is going to take off and this is going to be the one but i think it's neat that someone's really trying to specialize in the space so do you feel like something like this can 
compete with the products that are already available simply because <laughs> it is specialized for hotels? Or yeah. do you think the price isn't right? It makes more sense to go with something that already is out there. Well, I think it's, it's I, I, I'm kind of have mixed feelings about it, right? Because on the one hand, it's not going to have the utility that an Echo does, right? It's not going to play every song that you own or is on your prime list. Right? It's to, it, it's not going to be able to order you products. But mm. uh, it's probably going to be able to set your alarms and, and order you room service and control your thermostat and the yeah. lights and things like that. So it, it's very purpose-built for the hotel. Mm-hmm. It makes me think that maybe it would do a better job because it is right. hotel. Right, potentially, right? Maybe. But I, I also wonder, too, on the security side, does this, do, is it, do they have an advantage, right? Because mm-hmm. it's more of a, cl- a closed system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think that there's some advantages. And I asked them, you know, the question I asked was, how can you expect to compete from a natural language processing, from a from an artificial intelligence perspective? You know, not just voice recognition, which is complicated, but natural language processing is way more complicated. And then the the intelligence behind responding the right way. So, you know, it, it sounds like their technology is piggybacking off the underlying technology that all of these guys piggyback off it's not like they're sitting there building the all of the the code that handles natural language processing sounds like there's centralized open source solutions Mm. that that do that so that made me feel a little bit better because you're right you know these guys i don't know they're startup they probably have you know less than five developers they're never going to compete with the thousands of developers that are probably working on this product for google or amazon but if they were ever to work with you know, an, an inventory management system like a tracking care or something along those lines, mm-hmm. that would be great to say, hey, you know, Angie or hotel name, you know, my light bulb is broken. Yeah. Or, hey, I need to get room service, whatever it might be. You can make a lot more specific, mm-hmm. you know, keywords that it could pick up yeah. on. Yeah. But also begs the question if we've brought up before the one of the advantages to having you know, a smart device in your hotel room, like something that people are already familiar with is it brings that familiarity to the hotel room. So you can go and play your music and watch, Mm -hmm. put on your whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. so perhaps not having that same functionality. I I can definitely see both sides of it. Yeah, Yeah, that's where I am too, Misha. I'm kind of mixed on it. But I I thought it was neat to see someone that's trying to tackle the market. It doesn't sound like they have the penetration yet, but I I think... um, and, and I didn't get into the pricing, so mm-hmm. I don't know what the, the value proposition is mm-hmm. of that versus going and buying a $50 dot, you mm-hmm. know? I, I think they've got a lot of competition to, to fight against, but I think they have a uniqueness that if, if they market themselves effectively, they could get they could get some inroads. And, it you know, the other thing that they're going to need to do is partner with the right vendors, you know? They're going to have to integrate with a lot of different te- yeah. technology partners to make it work, but... You know, I'm rooting for them. They're super nice folks. So I had fun chatting with them. All right. So next up, and this this was the one for me that I geeked out about the most, right? And because um, it was just different. Now, I don't know if it has as much tangible value, um, but I think it has a lot of intangible value. So you've got I, my curiosity. Okay. Piece. Yeah. <laughs> So I have no idea how to pronounce this name. Did you not speak with them? Yeah, I did, but the the, the name of their product didn't. You didn't say how do you pronounce that? No, I didn't. <laughs> um, and I probably should have known. 
But I was going to do that when I went back and show, I was going to shoot oh. a video of this. This would have been a phenomenal Facebook oh. Live video, right? Because it's a very visual thing. But it's, anyone want to have a stab at it? Savioki? Sab- I don't know. Sab- I think the E is silent. Savioki. Savioki or Savioki. It's know. a cool little robot. It is. That's, so, I mean, that's the cool thing. So, so this is the premise, right? So <laughs> any hotel knows they get a, a, a certain number of uh, requests to bring something to the room. So this basically automates that process. It's, it's a robot that sits in, a, in some kind of charger bank near the lobby or near wherever you're fulfilling these requests. And say a guest says, I need a toothbrush. They call down the front desk and say, I need a toothbrush. So whoever's fulfilling that request goes over to the, to the little robot dude and punches in a code and to say who it is making the request and punches in the room number and the door on top has a little door that just opens up automatically on top. And it can fit a lot of stuff. Like, it's, it's pretty deep. It's a whole grocery bag. You, you could, no. I mean, you could hold a lot more than a grocery bag. I mean, yeah. you could hold a couple of pillows easily. I mean, it, it's pretty substantial. But it also has different crates. So if you wanted to put a bottle of wine in there, Misha... Mm-hmm. Um, it could probably put, fit a cat and a bottle of wine oh, in there. See, see, my first thought was like, oh, if I get pizza delivered, I can have them bring it to the front desk and they can deliver it to me via robot. Yeah, I don't know. Because pizza, they probably have to put it down on its side oh. to get it in. I don't know if it's wide enough diameter-wise. But anyway, so let's say it's a toothbrush. So it's got a little caddy in it, so you just put the toothbrush in there, press the button, hit go. And then you don't have to think about it again. So this robot leaves the little charging dock, goes to the elevator, calls the elevator, gets on the elevator, turns around and kind of... Wait, how does it call the elevator? All right, let me finish and I'll tell you the elevator part. (laughs) Gets to the floor and knows when it's at the right floor, gets off the elevator, goes exactly to that room, wherever you were, faces the door, and then rings the telephone. What? And the the telephone in your room rings, you pick it up, and it beep-boop, beep-boops like R2-D2, and then says... (laughs) That your your room service, whatever it is, you have a is, toothbrush. Yeah, <laughs> is is here at the door and come open the door. As soon as you open the door, so you hang up the phone and go open the door. It unlocks itself and the door automatically opens on top. The little lid. The little lid thing. So you can then get your whatever out, and it says on the screen, it says, um, "How is your experience? Rate us from one to five. And you, if you put five in, it does a little happy dance. It's pretty <laughs> cute. And then uh, it says, do you want us to, do you want me to hang around for a minute while you get your phone to take a selfie with me? So, Because oh. yeah, so, one, they said one of the complaints they had to start with was it was leaving too quickly. So people were having to chase it down the, down the oh corridor. Oh my gosh, to get that's pretty around. clever. So, um, I mean, the, the, watching it, and they had this live demo. They, their booth was really cool. It was set up where they had, the charging bank with a couple of these things in they had like a fake elevator that it went in and then it let it so it rode around to the fake elevator left and then went around to an actual door and they had a two-way door so you you come to where the robot was and then when the robot was calling the phone you'd walk around the little wall and you'd answer the phone so you could really get to experience this thing so their booth setup was really really cool i don't know like when you I was on the fence about when you first started talking about this because I'm like, what's the cost of having this robot that delivers stuff that a person could easily deliver for $10 an hour or whatever? But the more I think about it, I'm like, no, this makes total sense. And I think more people would order more stuff. That's the yeah. yeah. rep perspective. Because it's cool. Yeah. So 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 let's, let's answer your first question first and then we'll get into the cost. So 
how does it cool the elevator? So they basically retrofit the elevator with it, and it's all part of the service. And we'll talk about the price. But they put a little piece of like a little circuit board in the elevator connected to the control panel, and it creates its own little wireless communication with the robot. So the robot gets into the elevator and communicates with their own proprietary board, which then controls the elevator. Wow, that's crazy. That's intense. Yeah. So I mean, it, but it, but it's it's really not that complex. It's not that expensive. You know, you get a little twenty dollars circuit board or whatever, and someone goes in and connects it to the blues and the reds. Right. It's it's not it's not rocket science. So so they it it can work in any property. And they said, you know. It takes. It doesn't take long to map out because the other thing, logistical thing you got to do is map out where every right. room is, right? Mm-hmm. It's physically located, so that doesn't take much time because they say most hotels, if you look at it, most floors are exactly the same. So once right. you've done one floor, you can just extrapolate that to the others. So they, it's less than a day of mapping for the for the thing. So then the other question was, well, what if it gets stuck? Right? There's, I could see where. There's going to be a problem. Some little kid, my kid especially, would probably try to jump on it and knock it over or whatever, right? It's going to get stuck. So there's an alert system on board, and they monitor. The, the company, Sevio, actually monitors the locations if they get stuck, can manually override and control them to get them back to where they need to go, stuff like that. So Who controls the lasers? <laughs> it, it, there, there was not weapon-grade stuff on it yet. that I saw. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Um, but... So, so it's pretty cool. So the pricing model is kind of neat. Um, you don't actually buy the robot because that would cost a million crazy. dollars. Yeah. But it's it you lease it, right? And it's I, I want to say, and I'm assuming this is public knowledge because they just threw this number out at me. It's two thousand dollars a month is is for one of these things, and for that you get the licensing and support and maintenance and stuff, right? So that's not a bad deal though. So you, you think can, about that, right? Twenty four grand a year. <laughs> You know, it's cost of a low-level employee. But I think, and this is, so I don't know if in terms of cost savings, it makes financial sense, ROI. But when, you're exactly right when you said, does it increase the amount of people that order room service? And that's that's the argument they make. They have ROI data that shows that, yes, it significantly increases the, the amount of room service being ordered, which drives your bottom line and creates positive ROI. Now, I don't know if that's because it's a gimmick at this point. Mm-hmm. So is that long-term sustainable? I don't know. However, there are so many other intangible benefits from this. Think about the word of mouth of this. Yeah. Think about think about how Melissa tells everyone about Kempton in leaving a note on her on her bed, right? This this is going to be that to the nth degree because if I have a little robot that comes, not only am I going to tell everyone, I'm going to record it, I'm going to take photos, I'm going to publish it on every social yeah. media channel I have. Plus, the press in your local area are going to probably think this is a neat little story, you know, and and you're going to get links and you're going to get all these other intangibles. So I think like a lot of these gimmicky things that you're on the fence about. You'll probably kick yourself in a couple of years. If you're a high-end property today and you've got a couple of thousand dollars of contingency marketing budget, it would be worth it, I think, to roll the dice and go and try something like this. It's definitely a big first mover advantage. If you're the first person in your destination to get this, you're going to have a ton of value from it. If you're the 20th person, it becomes 
uh, it's expected that you have the delivery robot. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you you've got you've got to move fast if you can do this. Now, if you, if you're a two star hotel off of the freeway, d- this is not for you, mm-hmm. right? But if you're a four star in a competitive destination and you're looking for some differentiation, you know, you should absolutely consider this. You know what? This could even be another book direct advantage. Mm-hmm. You know. If you book direct, you get to use this. If you book through OTA, you don't. I mean, you could even go that far. You have to have a person come to your room. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, one of the advantages that they list on their website of having this too, just from a not so much the hotel perspective, but from a guest perspective, is you don't have to tip a robot. I was just thinking that. Yeah, they did bring that up. Yeah, from a guest perspective, that's a a nice thing, you know. Um, And you get to see the happy dance as well so it sounds like they've put a lot of thought into it even just programming it to where people can take a picture and share it which obviously is something that they would want people to do yeah and they've been around a couple years there i want to say this number could be completely inaccurate but i want to say they said they're in about 70 properties right now Hmm. um which is not huge penetration but i mean that i mean that's a good chunk of revenue you know if you've got 70 Properties paying about two grand. I mean, it I looks think. just looking at the sites that they have listed on their their own site, um, which most of them are flags. They seem to be in the right space with looking at higher end properties yeah, like sure. Embassy Suites, and you've got I don't know Westin Hotels. I mean, they're some nicer properties for sure. Yeah, yeah. This, like I said, for me, there 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 were, and I asked a lot of people that came to our booth about what they saw out there and what what excited them, and people were really mixed on this one. But you got the, the nerds like me that were like, dude, this is R2-D2 is coming <laughs> to my room, right? If you skin this sucker as R2-D2, yeah. I yeah. would be all in. You know, If I was Disney that's getting ready to open oh a God. Star Wars-themed oh hotel at the new Star Wars Land stuff they're building at Disney, you better believe I'd be talking to these guys about mm-hmm. at least licensing it and getting an, an actual R2-D2 to come to the room because, I mean, how awesome would that be? Um, that would so, be a really interesting idea, though, for hotels like Disney that have a theme in yeah, general to make it. Help. It would be so easy for them to skin the outside. Oh, yeah. it, it wouldn't be tough at all, right? So, I, I think um, th- there were people that saw the excitement of it and the novelty of it, but then there were people who were just like, "It's just not practical." You know, kids are going to vandalize it, and you know, just negative Nellies mm. that were just. It, it's something down that on it's it. an early adopters device yeah. but it's yeah. it's phenomenal i want one yeah. for the office my kids would totally yeah. want to jump on it but yeah. uh, i mean i would parent them to not do it but i'm sure that not every parent would prevent so instead that. of hiring another employee can we just get one of these yeah maybe It'd be pretty yeah, well, cool. oh, how do they handle stairs that's what i was gonna say mm-hmm. we don't have an elevator they, no they have to have an elevator oh, come on i want a they, beer and wine robot they don't float yeah a snack robot <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool but you know think think about it this way and, and why it kind of has the vira- virality in terms of uh, room service, if I'm about to get on onto an elevator and one of these little suckers rides on with me, I mean, like, what? In this <laughs> yeah, world, right? I was literally. Can just you about have to a conversation? That. Does it speak? Mm-mm, no, oh, that would be needed, cool. They need that. Um, but I would probably follow that thing and see where it's going. You know, and then I. That's a little creepy. Yeah, <laughs> but wouldn't you? Wouldn't you open yeah. your door and yeah. your, your pillows and your, your pajamas. Yeah, and, and there's like seven, yeah, <laughs> seven people there standing asking you questions. But, but I think if people saw this little thing riding around the property, I would be a lot more inclined to order mm-hmm. something yeah. just to yeah. to see how all it worked, you know? So, I, I again, I, I think it's neat. Not everyone at the show agreed with me. Um, I would love to chat, chat with these guys some more. So, we, we might want to do some outreach and chat with them. But I, I, I want to see some data as well. So, they said... 
if you get if you have 30 or more um, 30 or more requests for room service a day then you probably need more than one right so oh, wow. so anything mm-hmm. less than 30 one is is plenty but if you get more than 30 a day then you probably want two of these things so yeah well, what's really the cool. do they say the average turnaround time from order to delivery no, I, they didn't. I didn't. I didn't ask that. I'd, I'd but the sucker moves it a, de- a decent lick. I mean, it's not human fast. Well, obviously, somebody has to take the time to load it though, and like sure. send it on its way. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's just a logistical thing, though. But um, at least that person now can get back to what they were doing or fulfill mm-hmm. the next one. Mm-hmm. Get ready yeah. to fulfill the next one. They're not having to go up and down. So, I, I think honestly, it's probably more efficient than than people. So it's very cool. Yeah, that was really neat. All right, so th- this will be the last one. And th- this one won, I forget the actual name of the award, but it was basically an innovation award at the show. But um, it's called Stay Wonderful. And they've been around a couple of years, but they, they're basically tackling the loyalty challenges related to independent hotels, right? Because one of the things that independent hotels struggle with is, is there value in offering the traditional loyalty points because people aren't necessarily going to travel back to your destination and stay at your property again? So how, how do I incentivize direct bookings and give people more instant gratification for their loyalty? And we've done studies that show that people would much rather have instant gratification mm-hmm. than deferred gratification, even if the value isn't as great, right? So ideally, a perfect loyalty program is a combination of some kind of deferred incentive to repeat stay but an increase in reason to book with me right now right so that's what stay wonderful does they've gone out and they've partnered with jc penny and uber and starbucks and all these retail stores that have real value to people that the people on mass are going to shop at so if you're a property and someone is going to book direct with you then you can say if you book with me then you get to pick and the hotel can define $30 worth of credit towards these places. Hmm. So you could go all in and say, I'm going to get $30 gift card to Uber or Starbucks just by booking direct, right? So I think this is great for a lot of reasons um, in terms of how we try to encourage people to create differentiation in booking direct and differentiation against the the other competition in the area right so again like pete said earlier if you're an early adopter on something like this i think there's a lot more value than if you wait until every other hotel in your market has this and then jump on it because then it's just a me too but i think if you jump on something like this early i really do think there's a lot of value to it so what are you guys thoughts on that kind of a product where you're getting immediate instant gratification rewards i think that's really smart because i agree i think for somebody like me that doesn't travel a whole lot but knowing that i could stay at xyz hotel and get 30 dollars at starbucks that i'm gonna go spend the next morning on coffee anyway Mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome well i think it for me personally i think it depends on the value there because i feel like 30 dollars is could perhaps be excessive yeah, I mean, you set that value you set, based on that But then that ADR, if it's like right? $5, it's like, meh, I don't know. And for me, again, when I travel, which I don't travel often, but the most important things to me are the location of the property, which is something that is not in your property's control, obviously. And then also the price point. So offering some other, like, oh, you can get X amount of whatever. I'm kind of like, eh, like, it's great, but if... If, I, if there's somewhere that's more cost-effective or somewhere that's closer to where I actually want to be, that's going to influence my decision more so. Yeah, I, I think this, you know, 
this isn't gonna sway people that just aren't considering you. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that powerful. But I think what it's gonna do is someone that is is on the fence between either you and another property or they have decided on staying with you but they're look bouncing between seven different sites to look for I the best agree rate. With that for sure. I think this can compel someone. Yeah. So their studies, I mean, they've got studies that show that for some of their properties, they've seen an, an, a 40% increase in direct bookings by implementing this solution. Now, that's data coming from the vendor, right? right. We, we need to be wary of data coming from the vendor always. Yeah. But I, I think if you measure it that way, if you want to try it, I think the cost is pretty reasonable. They basically charge you 5%, as a hotel, they charge you 5% of the booked revenue where people do take an incentive. Mm-hmm. So if someone doesn't claim a, a loyalty thing, you don't pay them anything, right? So, but if they do, and it's two nights at $200 each and it's $400, you're gonna ba- basically pay them 5% of that $400. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you know, and I, when I thought, when you first start talking about a loyalty program, you know, I think this could perhaps be used to bring people back again and become a repeat visitor. But I also almost see this more as a way to incentivize people to book direct with you. I mean, I see that as more of a direct booking tool. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how they, that's how they pitch it. But it also bring begs to question, like, can't a hotel just do this on their own? Right. That That's the one of the things yeah. that, that I had talked about with someone else is, you know, if, if you do have on property amenities, you know, you can offer, and we've got a couple of clients that do this, right? So say you have an arcade on your property that has some really cool games. Anyone that books direct, give them a $10 or $20 card to go play those video games, yeah. right? That's going to sway some people. And guess what? That's free money. Yeah. And it's probably going to mean they spend more money in the arcade because now you've got more people that wouldn't have gone to the arcade, go into the arcade, getting addicted, spending that initial $10 in five minutes, and then wanting to re-up the card, right? right. So... Or, or if you've got a restaurant or a spa doing the same, hey, you've got $10 towards a spa treatment, you know, and you've got some manicure, pedicure stuff that, that is only $15, $20. You can get more people doing that. But you know what? You're probably going to get more people doing full-on facials and massages right. as well. So I think if, if you're smart and you have the capability to do this on your own, absolutely. You know, for, hey, if you book direct, you get $20 off of, you know, a, a meal of over a hundred dollars at the at the restaurant, something like that. Absolutely, I think that is the way to go. But honestly, most properties don't have the the wherewithal to do that. So sure. something like this, which you know, if it is increasing direct bookings in even half the the numbers that they're claiming, then I think it's very valuable. I'd much rather spend five percent giving value to my guest than giving fifteen twenty percent to the to OTAs. The OTA. Oh, you know? absolutely. So, so that I think, uh, you know, there was a lot of positivity about this. I mean, the, the lady that was there was delightful and really articulate that, that was talking to people about the product. So they did it. They did a really good job. I think to me, they probably, they, they probably won the show for me. So, um, so there you go. That's, that's my high tech summary. So if, if you listening at home, have any other thoughts, if you attended high tech, um, and you didn't come and see us, shame on you. If you did attend high tech and did come see us, then we really appreciate this. Um, the gentleman and the name is escaping me right now, but he's a, a professor at Georgetown university that teaches hospitality. He talked to me about th- that his students are listening to this and that he listens to the podcast. And we really definitely appreciate all the students out there that listen to us and any support you guys have given us over the years. And if you have 
any kind of questions you'd like to submit, we'd love to help shape the future of hospitality and shape and warp your minds by talking about cats and wine and all this good stuff. But also on a slightly cool note, we got some really good feedback on Melissa's solo performance <laughs> from last week. So a lot of people really enjoyed that. So if you have any requests, send them in. Then Melissa would gladly try to recapture any kind of song with her uh, talents. So yeah, that was fine. If you didn't listen, to go back and listen to the end of last Wait, episode. So it was can I put in a request? Sure. You want to do some hootie? I, feel I like- could do some hootie. I can butcher Hootie as much as I can butcher Metallica. Why not? There you go. So maybe we'll do that next week. And then if anyone else has I can mumble requests, along. <laughs> any kind of mumble rock would be really I, good. On the that's my favorite night. genre is mumble rock. Mumble rock. I love it. Speaking of music, can I tell my cheesy joke now? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. What is Beethoven's favorite fruit? I don't know. What is Beethoven's favorite fruit? Banana. <laughs> That's terrible. I was waiting all day to tell that joke. That is so bad. It's so good. So, so Misha's gone to this habit now. When she's got a new joke, she won't tell me before the podcast because she wants to get my natural reaction during the show. And it's typically the same, just like yeah. a, oh, a stifled chortle and an eye roll. Yeah, that was pretty good. My kids will appreciate that one, so I'll definitely share it. So anyway, that's a high-tech episode. Uh, Melissa, where can they find you on the interweb? I am on Twitter at M-A Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Misha. Mama Misha. <laughs> Mama, Mama Misha. I am at Marketing Misha. That's at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. And Pete had to sneak out and go take care of his bees, but you can find him on Twitter <laughs> at P DeMeo. And you can find me on Twitter at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel uh, on Twitter and the Facebook is also at Fuel Travel. We're on Instagram. We are blowing up on Instagram. This is true. We are trending. No. (laughs) Um, We're going viral, people. And we also have a new website for our mobile app. So guestexpressapp.com. Go check that out. It's got that we actually disclosing the pricing now so you don't even have to call us to get the pricing but it's phenomenal product and we had a lot of interest about that mobile app technology at the show high tech as well this week so go check out guestexpressapp.com as always please uh subscribe to the podcast and if you really like what we're doing then we would love it if you would leave a review that would really help us out so until next time you have been listening to the fuel hotel marketing podcast Donuts are delicious and decadent. Diabetes.